Chapter Twenty Seven of Northwest. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. Northwest by Harold Bindloss. Chapter Twenty Seven. Deering's Progress. Soon after Deering started from the hotel, he met Jardine. Deering knew the shrewd Canadian Scots and thought the rancher a man to trust. Moreover, he had not yet got all the light he wanted. Jardine was on foot, and Deering said, "'Hello! It's a long hike to Kelshope. Where's your horse?' "'Margaret's got the cayuse at Green Lake. Do you not ken?' "'I didn't know,' said Deering. "'But you're coming from the station.' when do they expect the construction train she stopped down the track for the boys to fix some rails the operator was grumbling because she'd not got through till dark and he'd got to block the line for the camloops freight oh well said deering since i want to get on board the calaboose perhaps her stopping in the dark is not a drawback but what about miss margaret's going to green lake Jardine looked at him rather hard. "'I allow you're Mr. Leyland's friend?' "'Sure thing,' said Deering. "'Jimmy reckons you his friend. "'Well, I want to know how he got away.' Jardine told him, and Deering pondered. He had undertaken an awkward job, and since he saw some obstacles, he resolved to give the rancher his confidence. Among the trees the frost was not keen, and the sun was on the road. Deering indicated a spruce log and pulled out some cigars. "'Suppose we take a smoke and talk,' he said, and when Jardine lighted a cigar, resumed, "'Won't Miss Margaret shooting the fellow's horse make trouble for her?' "'I reckon not,' said Jardine, who had heard the trooper's statement and when he got a note from margaret remarked that the narratives did not agree i'm thinking the boys didn't mean to pit it on margaret and the trooper's not altogether proud it's possible but why didn't you put jimmy wise i'd cut my foot chopping a day or two before deering rather doubted if jardine's cutting his foot accounted for all but he said let's talk straight i suppose miss margaret is going to marry leyland maybe but i dinna ken jimmy wanted to marry her very well said deering i'll tell you all i know he narrated his interview with laura and stannard's going to jimmy's help jardine's look got thoughtful and sometimes he frowned when Deering stopped, he said, "'You dunna trust Stannard. You'd sooner Jimmy hadn't gone across the rocks with him?' "'I would sooner he had not,' Deering agreed. "'Jimmy trusts Stannard. The others are tenderfoots, and I understand they have not a first-class guide. The man they've got is not a mountain guide of a. Uh. Gillane's a packer on the government surveys.' but I dunna see much light yet. Jimmy owes Stannard a good sum. 
Leyland insured his life in Stannard's favor, and Stannard wants money. Well, I'm going up the line with the construction gang to follow the party's trail. Jardine got up, and his look was very grim. Just that. I'll join you. Not at all, said Deering. Your part's to go to Green River Depot afterwards and watch out. I expect you're a good bushman, but this is a job for a first-class mountaineer. Besides, you cut your foot. Jardine gave him a keen glance, but Deering resumed. You see, I must hit up the pace and can't boost you along. Can I hire a young man, a prospector if possible, at Green River? The other's arguments did not move him and by and by Jardine resigned himself to stay behind. "'I'm thinking my nephew, Peter, is the man you want. Whiles he goes to the depot for his groceries and mail. The storekeeper will ken if he's about. You can tell Peter I sent you to him.' After a few minutes Deering went off, but he went slowly and did not keep the road to the station. Joining the line two or three miles down the valley, he found a track grader's tool hut and went in and smoked. The hut was cold, but Deering's fur coat was thick and good. When dusk began to fall, he walked along the track and stopped three or four hundred yards from the station. By and by, a light twinkled like a star in the gloom of the woods. A steady throb rolled up the valley and presently Deering distinguished a locomotive's measured snorts and the rumble of wheels. The star was now a dazzling moon, and its reflections picked out, far in advance, glittering rails and frost-spangled trees. When the locomotive was level with Deering, he began to run up the line, and soon after the train stopped and he got behind the last car. He knew the company's rules, but he knew something about train gangs, and he had ready a few dollar bills. Although the station agent did not see him get on board, when the train rolled up the track he occupied a box in front of the calaboose stove. The men gave him supper, and when he had drained a can of strong coffee he pulled out some cards and showed how an expert puzzled his antagonists. Cold drafts swept the rocking calaboose, the stove roared, and one smelt locomotive smoke. Labored snorts echoed in the rocks, couplings rang, and when the train sped across a bridge, the roll of wheels drowned Deering's voice. Deering smiled and waited for the noise to stop. He had undertaken a daunting job and was bothered about Jimmy but in the meantime he owed something to his hosts and he played up. Although Deering had some drawbacks, his rule was to play up. A number of the men had long studied cards and could bluff on a poor hand. Three or four won regularly some part of their companion's wages, but they knew a master's touch, and for a time Deering held the group. Then he lighted his pipe and began to talk about something else. 
he found out that the train ran between a gravel pit and green river the men were filling up a trestle and cutting out an awkward curve have they got a hotel at the settlement deering inquired they've no use for a hotel at green river sometimes a rancher comes in for his mail and a survey party jumps off i guess that's all you can stop at the post office the man who keeps it runs a small store nothing much doing yet deering remarked do the mounted policemen come to the settlement a big shovel man laughed they're getting busy around green river two lots came in not long since and a trooper's there now but he won't bother you looks as if he was sent to watch out for somebody who wants to get on the train then you reckon they're after somebody in the rocks said deering carelessly that's so another agreed i wouldn't bet much on the fellow's chance when we ran up with the last load a police outfit was starting for the range three or four troopers and a pack horse they'd loaded up some truck oh well said deering the royal northwest are smart boys but i've known them beat however i've been for some time on the road and think i'll go to bed can somebody give me a bunk they gave him a bunk and for an hour or two he slept but he knew it might be long before he slept warm again when he awoke the locomotive bell was tolling and the roll of wheels was getting slack the calaboose was very cold and deering jumping from his bunk went to the open door in front a fire burned by a water tank and the beam from the headlamp flickered across a small clearing and touched a wooden house farther off a big blast lamp threw up a pillar of flame the light tossed and for a few moments all was shadowy then the strong illumination leaped up again and deering saw a man who carried a short rifle walk along the line he knew the royal northwest uniform deering picked up his fur coat and hesitated in the mountains one must wear proper clothes and the coat was good but unless he could cheat the trooper he might not reach the mountains he touched the man who had given him the bunk i'll trade my coat and a cap for yours the fellow's skin coat and cap were old and he looked at deering with surprise why do you want to trade a track grader doesn't buy revelon furs deering indicated the trooper the policeman might calculate something like that but i expect he knows you belong to the gang you are going to dump some rails and for half an hour i want a job now i get you said the other he pulled off his shabby coat and when the train stopped and deering jumped down nothing distinguished him from the construction gang climbing onto a flat car he joined the men who threw down the rails and presently saw the trooper stop the fellow who wore his coat and cap he did not know how the railroad man accounted for his wearing good furs but he was obviously a track grader 
and after a few moments the trooper let him go. Then the train rolled up the line, and Deering stayed with the men who moved the rails. By and by the trooper walked past the gang, glanced at the men carelessly, and, turning back, vanished in the gloom. Deering thought him satisfied nobody but the track graders was about, and soon afterwards he started for the house. So far he had trusted his luck, but he wanted help and must get food. Moreover, he must not excite the storekeeper's curiosity. A clump of pines cut the illumination up the track. Sometimes, when the blast lamp's flame leaped up, bright reflections touched the house, but, for the most part, the ground in front was dark. When Deering was near the door, a man came out and stopped for a few moments. Deering thought him a rancher, and when he went down the steps met him at the bottom. "'Can I buy some flour and groceries?' he asked. "'You might,' said the other, and looked at Deering as if he thought the inquiry strange. "'Why do you want groceries? Where are you going?' Deering saw something must be risked, and when a risk must be run he did not hesitate. If I can find the trail, I'm going up the valley. Peter Jardine has a ranch at the lake, I think. That's so, said the other. I'm Peter Jardine. Deering laughed. His luck had not turned, and when the reflections from the blast lamp touched the rancher's face, he thought he had got the proper man. "'Then, as soon as you can get me some groceries, I'll start for the rocks. Your uncle sent me along and stated you would help. You see, I'm Jimmy Leyland's partner and Miss Margaret's friend.' "'Ah,' said Peter, "'you're Deering? Well, the police are after Jimmy. For some days two troopers hunted for his tracks.' and then a sergeant and another came in on the train and started off as if they knew where he was. In the meantime, a sports outfit hit the trail, but I didn't meet up with them. I made the station in the afternoon and didn't know what I ought to do. In fact, when you came along, I was wondering if I'd pull out for the ranch. You're coming with me. I don't want to boast, but I'm a mountain clubman, and on the rocks I reckon I can beat the police. But Jimmy's friends got off in front of the troopers. There's the trouble. They're not all his friends, Deering rejoined. On the whole, I'd sooner the police got him than he crossed the range with the other lot. But we'll talk about this again. When can you start? I can start as soon as my horse is loaded up, but we have got to bluff the policeman. He mustn't see us take the mountain trail. Well, I've pork and flour and groceries. Have you got all you want? I want a Hudson's Bay blanket and a pack rope, said Deering, and gave Peter a roll of bills. Then you had better buy a frying pan and grub hoe. Very well. Go up the trail across the clearing and wait for me by the creek, said Peter, and returned to the store. 
After a time he rejoined Deering and tied his loaded horse to a branch. "'The storekeeper knows I hit the Green Lake Trail, and we don't want the Cayuse. When we have sorted out the truck we need, he'll make the ranch all right. Light the lantern, and we'll fix our packs.' Deering lighted the lantern, and after a few minutes strapped a bag of food in his back. He pushed his folded blanket through the straps, gave Peter the rope, and picked up the grub hoe, a Canadian digging tool very like a mountaineer's ice axe. Then they put out the light, let the horse go, and went back quietly to the railroad. Nobody was about, and stealing across the line, they plunged into the gloom. "'My luck's good,' said Deering. When I think about all we're up against, I sure want it good. End of chapter 27 Recording by Roger Moline